I'm sure you will forgive me that after Christmas I didn't think about this homily very much. Uh, I just have a few thoughts on family life uh, to share. Uh, the first is one I've talked about a lot, and so I'm beating a dead horse on with the Christmas story, but just the messiness of, of the Christmas story in terms of the circumstances. Nothing really went well for the Holy Family from beginning to end of the Christmas story. The accommodations were bad. Um, immediately after giving birth, they've got to escape this uh, you know, tyrant and escape to another land. I mean, the whole thing is kind of a messy uh, situation. And I mean, I, I like to think about conversations Mary and Joseph might have had. You know, the, you know Joseph gets a dream uh, that he's supposed to run off to Egypt after Mary's just had a baby. And I can only imagine Mary saying, like, are you sure, like, your dreams, like, dreams can be kind of fallible, you know, like, are you sure about this? Um, I, I just like to imagine, but my point always with that is around Christmas time is that um, there's a lot of messiness in our families, in the world, um, and I think we have to be careful. On the one hand, we hold up um, the beauty of Christmas uh, and should romanticize it to a certain extent, but it also to remind ourselves that this incredible gift happened within the midst of a very difficult set of circumstances, just like uh, our own families. The second thing is um, what I think is a really interesting dynamic at play in uh, the story we just heard of, and I would just say it's the dynamic between freedom and obedience in the family. One of the cool things about the story of Jesus getting lost is that Mary and Joseph don't recognize he's gone for an entire day. So presumably they're traveling in a big caravan of pilgrims to Jerusalem, and Mary and Joseph were content to let Jesus uh, go play with the kids seemingly in this caravan. And they don't realize until the end of the day that he's not with them. Kind of reminds me, I, I grew up near Marblehead, and there's a little gated community called Lakeside. If you've ever been there, it's kind of, I worked there for 10 years, and it's kind of an idyllic, it's like you're back in the Middle Ages, kind of. But they, they would always brag in Lakeside that we, we let our kids go at, at dawn, you know, in the morning, on, a, on their bikes or whatever, and then we don't see them until night. They come back maybe at dinner or at nighttime, and this was the sense that, you know, our kids can go for the whole day, feel safe, do their own thing, explore, and then they come back to us uh, in the evening. It's kind of how I think of this caravan. And I was thinking about that in the, the dynamic of, of freedom and obedience in the family, and also just in general with people, is both extremes of like let, letting people do whatever they want on the one side, but also the other side, a kind of hyper-legalism and a hyper-rigidity. Neither of those work in human relationships, including in the human in the in the holy family, there's this dynamic between being obedient. Jesus was certainly obedient, like he went on the pilgrimage. Like you can imagine today, the conversation would be like, Jesus, do you want to go on this pilgrimage to the Holy Land? And he said, No, I'm not in the mood today. Okay, we're not. We won't make you go then, right? And he's about 13 year old, you know, right? So obviously, there was a level of obedience that he did what his parents told him to do, but they also had a long leash, right? You might say that we find out today. There was this dynamic, and 
right, in your own relationships, not just in families, but in beyond. Right? This is why I love working with young people in campus ministries, because like it's 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 figuring out that dynamic. Like, how much do you guide them actively and correct and challenge, but how much do you let them let them go and make mistakes for themselves and experiment and explore and try things and fail? And like what where do we right? I love living in that in that balance. I think the Holy Family lived in it. Um, and that's something that we have to think about, I think, in our own relationships. Final thought is, I think, a really interesting insight from C.S. Lewis on family love. In his book, The Four Loves, um, where he looks at the four Greek words for love, and so he looks at family love, friendship love, uh, romantic love, and then kind of supernatural love, charity. But one of the things that always struck me in his section on family love is he says, uh, there's a couple great advantages to family love. He says, number one, family love teaches us how to find redeeming qualities in people we would have never chosen to be with in the first place. He says, we get to pick our friends and our lovers. We don't pick our families. And he says, one of the great gifts of that is because you have to love them, you, you start to find good qualities in people that you would have never picked in the world to be with. And he says that sets us up in a really beautiful way for the rest of life, where we're surrounded by people, maybe at work, in different organizations we're in, who we maybe not, would have maybe not chosen to be with, right? But to find what's good in that is something that family love really forms us to do. The other advantage, he says, is it's the place where we can totally be ourselves with no masks on. That we should be able to totally let our hair down around our families. Right? But he says, interestingly, that this has a bad side to it, a disadvantage, which he says is because we know that our family is going to love us no matter what we do, we treat them like crap. He says because if we treat our friends badly or our lovers badly, they leave. But our families generally don't leave. And precisely because of that, Lewis says, we are tempted to treat our families worse than we treat other people. And I don't know about you, but that is, I've found that to be true uh, in so many ways. You can, Lewis says, we take family love for granted precisely because we know it's always going to be there in ways that we don't often take other loves uh, for granted. And so I think that's an interesting insight, like, if, if I end up lashing out at my family more than I, like in ways that I would never do to someone else, in some ways that's a compliment, because it means like they're going to love me even when I treat them like this. But of course the call is also to make ourselves lovable uh, within the family. Right? To, to, he uses that term, to make yourself lovable. Right? Don't just take the easy way out and just because their love is unconditional, to, to treat them worse than we would uh, other people in our lives to make ourselves lovable uh, in, in family. So anyway, those are just uh, a few random thoughts that came to my mind on the readings and family love, the messiness of the first Christmas story. So don't worry if your family's a mess and dysfunctional. Uh, we can still be holy within the midst of that. Right? The dynamic between freedom and obedience, which we're all, I think, both internally and externally trying to, to, to work out in our relationships. And finally, to treat our families with an incredible amount of love and respect, even though we know that that love is unconditional. 
So let's ask the intercession of the Holy Family to help us work in our families for more reconciliation in this coming year.